Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope it blesses you. Hello, I'm Charlie. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm a member of the congregation here and I teach uh, locally. Um, I want to start with a quote from, uh, from a theologian, author, minister uh, called Eugene Peterson, who, who said regarding uh, 1 Chronicles, names launch this story. Hundreds and hundreds of names, lists of names, page after page of names, personal names. Holy history is not constructed from impersonal forces or abstract ideas. It is woven from names, persons, each one unique. Chronicles erects a solid defense against depersonalized religion. So through this talk, obviously I'm going to look at the book of 1 Chronicles, but I'm going to, look at, going to look at it in five areas. So identity, anointing, blessing, covenant, and temple. I know there's not much to go on, but don't worry, it will all become clear, so stick with me. So first we're going to look at the theme of identity throughout the first nine chapters of the book. Now, you might be thinking, you know, maybe you watched the video and thought, nine chapters, that's, that's, that's quite a lot. And you're right, it is. But it makes sense to, to group them as it gives a clear outline of the genealogy of David's line. Now, reading these, as the video mentioned, can, can be a bit tough going. But it, it's worth sticking with. Because genealogies are vitally important to the story of the Bible particularly the genealogy of David, because as we know from the start of the New Testament in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus comes from David's line. Matthew also starts with a genealogy, and we see Jesus coming from the line of David. And so to understand where that line started and who was part of it is incredibly important. It gives us an understanding that when we come to Jesus, we know he is descended from humans, which gives credence to his claim to be both 100% God and 100% man. But through this genealogy in 1 Chronicles, we also see the history of the Jewish people and gain an understanding of their identity through the various tribes which came from the family of David. So we can see that David and his family and story are the key focus of the story in 1 Chronicles. Which leads me to my second point. In chapters 10 to 12, if, if, you, want to have, if you want to turn there now, if you've got your phone or you've got your paper Bible, if you've got your paper Bible, you're looking about a third of the way through the Bible or so, as, as the uh, video said, just after Samuel and Kings, go a little bit further, and you'll be at, um, you'll be at Chronicles. I'll just give you a moment to, to get there, and I will give myself a moment to get there as well. There we are. Now, in chapters 10 to 12, we start to see how David ascended to become king of Israel. We see the death of Saul and his sons in chapter 10, uh, verses 13 to 14, which I'll just read for you now. So Saul died for his breach of faith. He broke faith with the, sorry, he broke faith with the Lord 
in that he did not keep the command of the Lord and also consulted a medium seeking guidance. He did not seek guidance from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. Now, just say my reading will be slightly different wording from what you'll see on the screen, but yeah, it's all the same text, just worded slightly differently. Now, this may seem harsh, you know, that, that he put Saul to death and gave the kingdom to David. But I think it's an important reminder of what can and will happen if we turn away from the Lord. It doesn't have a happy ending. Now, as the video said, this isn't to say that David was perfect. I mean, he wasn't perfect after all, far from it. You know, as we know from reading about him in 1 and 2 Samuel. But the important thing to focus on in this part of the book is the title of the first part of chapter 11 in the ESV Bible, which is, um, which is the sort of uh, translation that I read, which in my Bible is David anointed king. And we can see that this is where God chose David to be the king of Israel. David was, David was God's anointed king, and he is often referred to as a man after God's own heart. Now, even though he made mistakes, we know that he truly loved God, and we can see that David points us forwards to an even greater king, King Jesus. But David was a good leader. He did attract mighty men. Whether that's the men listed in chapter 11, verses 10 to 25, which, you know, by all means go, go home and read, or the mighty men that joined David at the beginning of chapter 12. It's clear to see what an influential and powerful leader David is, and so many wanted to join his cause and fight by his side. But David was also an understanding leader. He showed a clear empathy for what his men would go through and the dangers they faced. And so if we look slightly ahead to chapter 17, if you want to turn to chapter 17 with me, we can see evidence of what God says to David in chapter 17, verse 8. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies before you. So let's move forward, or rather back, I suppose. Moving forward, yeah, you get it. Uh, we're going to go to chapter 13. I'm going to look at how God blessed David and his interactions with the Ark of the Covenant. Now the Ark plays a key role in chapters 13 to 16 as it was the place God had chosen to reside among his people. And it's a clear indication of God's blessing and his grace and his presence. David was so concerned that God should dwell among his people that he had an immense desire that the ark should be brought into Jerusalem. Now, what you must remember is that 
before David brought the ark back, the Jews hadn't had access to God through the ark as the Philistines had it captive while Saul was king. David was greatly blessed by God in many ways for bringing the ark into Jerusalem. And after the ark had been brought into Jerusalem, David offered all praise to God. I think this is somewhere I just want to stop just for a short while. So I don't know about you, but when something good happens in my life, say I have a good observation at work, you know, being a teacher, some people, you know, that sometimes people come and watch me teach, sometimes that goes really well, or something good happens for someone in my family, or I have a meeting that goes really well. I don't often thank God for those things and offer my praise and glorify him in that. It's one of those things I know I should do more often. In fact, all the time when something good happens to me because God is undoubtedly behind it. He wants to bless us, and he does. Just as he blessed David, he blesses us today. And yet most of us give ourselves all the praise for the good things that happens to us, as if we are the main reason all these good things happen. But we're not at all. And if I can be totally honest, it's a little bit arrogant to think that we have that kind of power. God blesses us because he loves us, which he demonstrated by sending Jesus down to die for us. He is the reason we have so many blessings. And I think we need to remember this more regularly. So God's blessings for us should cause us to be constantly thankful and obedient to everything he asks of us, just like David was. But back to the story in, in 1 Chronicles. If we move on to chapter 17 to 21, we see God's covenant with David. Now, this was the most important thing to happen in David's life, without a doubt. And in this, God promised an eternal kingdom to David. And he made this a covenant promise. And if there's anything we know about God, it's that he never breaks his promises. Now, this promise established David's kingly line with promises relating to the temple and the priesthood as uh, the video mentioned. God brought these both under Davidic rules, under the rule of the line of David forever, which basically means that it would always be under the rule of David's line, and this promise was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. Now, if we read 1 Chronicles 17, uh, verses 7 to 14, it says... Now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth. 
and I will provide a homeland for my people Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they've done in the past. Starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people Israel, and I will defeat all your enemies. Furthermore, I declare that the Lord will build a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and join your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, one of your sons, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for me. And I will secure his throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. I will never take my favor from him as I took it from the one who ruled before you. I will confirm him as king over my house and my kingdom for all time, and his throne will be secure forever. Now we can clearly see how this has pointed us forward to Jesus. I mean, it pretty much states it so matter-of-factly it, it would be almost impossible to argue. I mean, just look at verse 13. I will be his father, and he will be my son. Let's look at verse 14. I will confirm him as king over my house and my kingdom for all time, and his throne will be secure forever. We can clearly see Jesus here in these verses. And so we know that he is throughout this book, and I believe throughout all of Scripture. And I just simply love verses 16 to 27. And I, I just want to read it to you now. It's, it's quite long, but I, I love it. I think it's fantastic. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And now, O God, in addition to everything else, you speak of giving your servant a lasting dynasty. You speak as though I were someone very great, O Lord God. What more can I say to you about the way you have honored me? You know what your servant is really like. For the sake of your servant, O Lord, and according to your will, you have done all these great things and have made them known. O Lord, there is none like you. We have never even heard of another God like you. What other nation on earth is like your people Israel? What other nation, O oh God, have you redeemed from slavery to be your own people? You made a great name for yourself when you redeemed your people from Egypt. You performed awesome miracles and drove out the nations that stood in their way. You chose Israel to be your own people forever. And you, O oh Lord, became their God. And now, O oh Lord, I am your servant. Do as you have promised concerning me and my family. May it be a promise that will last forever. And may your name be established and honored forever so that everyone will say, the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, is Israel's God. And may the house of your servant David continue before you forever. Oh, my God, I have been bold enough to pray to you because you have revealed to your servant that you will build a house for him, a dynasty of kings. For you are God, O oh Lord, 
and you have promised these good things to your servant. And now it has pleased you to bless the house of your servant so that it will continue forever before you. For when you grant a blessing, O Lord, it is an eternal blessing. I mean, wow. Isn't that how we should all be praying? I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible. Do, do yourself a favor and, and reread that prayer when you get home. Because it's pretty staggering. I mean, I, I don't think there's any more to say there. The words kind of speak for themselves, don't they? But being me, I'm going to carry on talking. <laughs> My final point this evening is that the final thing David did before he died was make the preparations for the temple to be built in Jerusalem. He did this for his son Solomon to build the temple. And I think that this can remind us that sometimes God's plans that he involves us in may not ultimately be for us. Sometimes he'll use us to prepare others for his plans. We need to remember that it's, it's not our responsibility to save people. We need to leave people to God and let him take care of the rest. We need to prepare others and God will complete his plans for them. So you don't need to be worried if you think God isn't using you for anything monumental because it may be something monumental for someone else. You may never know what your story may do for someone else's journey to salvation. God has bigger plans than we will ever know. And I, for one, feel immensely blessed that I get to be a part of it, however big or small that part may be. Let's pray. For more information about St. Saviour Sunbury, please visit our website, www.saintsaviorsunbury.org.uk.